Hey, it's Doug Birch, and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So are you about ready to give up? Did you go to church last week and go, I can't believe what has happened to my faith? They've turned the gospel into a Republican talking point? In fact, it's not even a Republican talking point. I don't even know what this thing is about anymore. Are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you ready to give up? On today's show, I'm going to talk about what we do in response to a mad world. It's not apathy. It's not giving up. It's advancing a better kingdom. Stay tuned. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your word. Your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my only one. You're the only one worth living for. So I'm dreams with you now is not the time to give up i don't know maybe there is a time to give up but it's not now no i don't think there is a time to give up but here i just i just want to go into this as clear as i can i'm going to talk to you like i was talking to uh, my older daughter my eldest daughter the other day and by the way she wasn't giving up uh, she's an amazing woman uh but i was just talking to her she was discouraged you know this world has a lot of discouraging news If you're a young Christian person and you look at the news today, you might think, uh, where has Christ gone? Uh, Today, I I heard a commercial from James Dobson where he was urging people to vote for Judge Roy Moore, you know, to make America more Christian, I guess. Uh, you, You can just research and read the accounts of what uh, these women have said. And I guess you could maybe say, oh, I I don't know, maybe there's some way someone could possibly morally argue for why you could vote for Roy Moore. And I I can't make that argument, but uh, Dobson was just, yeah, you know, that's how we're going to make America great again. I urge you to vote for Trump, and now I want you to vote for Roy Moore. And And you listen to something like that, and... You just, you just can't believe it. Now, my daughter doesn't even know who Dobson is, so she wasn't talking about that. That's me. That's my own. Just I can't, I can't believe it. You know, I, you could just sit. You know, someone who had not, who knew nothing about Christ, who knew nothing about the gospel, who just read, just say, hey, why don't you read, um, read the book of Matthew? Let's just say, someone just got hit on the head, had complete amnesia, didn't know anything, and he said, okay. Read the book of Matthew. Read about Jesus. Now, uh, let's just read Trump's tweets. Is this man, this Trump fellow, is he a follower of this Jesus fellow you read about in Matthew? And the answer would be no. No. They They don't align at all. 
there's just no alignment. The only alignment would be that the Trump fellow says that he follows this Jesus fellow. But but we live in a world where me saying this, like I'm some sort of crazy radical, and, and I, I, I'm not. Although it's interesting, I was... Uh, <laughs> I was struggling the other day. It was uh, Monday, and I was talking with my wife about just the craziness of this. Now, I'm going to get about as honest as I can with you, not that I lie to you, but unfiltered as in I, j- I just, I'm willing to be offensive in my honesty so that I can reach people who are disillusioned. Because I've spent most of my life really trying to make everybody happy and everybody to kind of, you know, join together. And I found that they're not changing. They're still changing, staying their same ingrained, grumpy, polarizing, partisan selves. And so today's show is not for them. Today's show is for the people who are getting stomped on. Today's show is for the people who are getting lost. Today's show is for the people who are sitting in church and their pastor gets up there and he just starts giving these Republican talking points as if you're righteous, you believe these things, and, and they're just sitting there going... Where do I go? What do I do? I'm not a far left anything. I'm not a far right anything. But I think there's a difference between the gospel and between politics. And for many years, there was some difference in that. And the extreme, the polarization has just been beyond anything. And I I was... I was complaining to my wife about just like, I don't get it. I I don't fundamentally know even where to start. Because I realized I was wrong in so many... For five years, I was on a conservative Christian radio station doing a daily talk show from 4 to 6 p.m. I would presume most of my listeners were Republicans because it's conservative talk. You know, there's probably Democrats and Republicans. It wasn't a very political show. It did well. You know, we we achieved all our objectives. I, I talked about issues. I talked about having a better dialogue, a better spirit, about being ecumenical, about the gospel. And I thought that, you know, we could unite a group around that, that, that even though people could do these polarizing things and they could do these, you know, these, to me, things that are contrary to the heart of the gospel and are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. I thought we could unite people around the gospel. And and then, you know, I, I stepped aside from that job and I had to leave because the radio station was extremely far right and very political and and just frankly immoral in many ways. And then uh, the whole Trump thing came. And I just thought, uh, you know, that clearly is just not going to fly. There's something better is going to rise up. People can't possibly be like that. And then I saw my evangelical friends and loved ones just like, yeah, no, we are that. We have no problem with that. We we don't have, we uh, literally, if we can get a Supreme Court justice, uh, we'll vote for anyone. Just anyone. I, I, the the level of of I, I I just couldn't believe it 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 put me in a situation where suddenly I became a radical and I know there's many like I know there's people listening right now where you're not a radical you're not someone out there doing the extreme far left progressive you're not marching in parades 
you're not. You're just someone who was like, eh, you know, I'm just kind of a, you were probably maybe a moderate Republican or you just, you just weren't. And you've literally been put in this situation where you're seen as an extremist. That, that's, and, and I, I just, I remember the, the night when, when Trump won the presidency, I, I gathered the family around our table and I just cried. And I just said, I don't know the world we're living in right now, but we're going to, I prayed and we're going to have to figure out how to, how to serve the Lord, how to be light in this world. I was complaining to my wife about this and she's like, what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you build, how do you do it? I don't know what to do. Cause I did 1200 radio shows. I tried to communicate something logically that I thought, and I thought, what, what good has it been? You know, in the end, we're just, I'm just seeing the level of depravity that people will just, as long as, you know, I, I, I literally don't know. I don't, I don't know the extent to which people will sell their soul. But they won't think it's selling their soul. They'll be like, it's standing for righteousness. I, I, I can't even, I know by saying that, people are like, well, I'm not trying to judge someone. That's literally what I see. That's what I see. I'm not, I'm not trying to be that way. I sit there and I go, you are calling darkness light. And I, I, I don't know how else to say that. I don't know. The nicest way I could say it, I'm like, I have Christian friends and others where I'm like, how can you call that darkness light? I just, and then you're, you're, I'm, I'm alienated. I can't be any more alienated. I'm just, I, I do not connect with you. I don't know how that, that, that spirit, there's nothing in that person that has the fruit of the spirit. If someone never apologizes, if they have no kindness in them, no fruit of the spirit, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, if they never ask for forgiveness, if they're never Christ-like, how can you see Christ in them? How? How is that possible? <laughs> They'll point out, well, you know, David did a lot of bad things, but there's some things I can see that David did that were decent. But I was just complaining about that, and I went to the mall to go do some shopping for our kids. It was the day off, and Jennifer's listening to me, and she's very, you know, gracious, <laughs> polite in the sense of not like, hey, just quit complaining, Doug. And and someone across the mall yells, hey, Doug. And I, I don't quite know who it is, and I'm nervous because I'm in a lot of different settings, and my memory isn't very good, and I'm like, hey, and he introduces himself. He says, I used to listen to your show regularly, and I've interacted with you a few times, and I got your book. And, and then he starts talking to me, and he's one of those people who's disillusioned. And he, he talks to me like he's in this setting. He's in church settings and other settings where he's just disillusioned. Like he's, what's going on with this world? And he's not this radical. He wasn't some guy wearing a free Tibet t-shirt. And, I mean, you know, like I live in the Seattle area. He's not, you know, walking down the Ave with his, you know, marijuana shirt on. He's just a normal looking dude, right? Just, just a guy. And he's just, as he's talking, it's like, I, it's like, there's no place for me. There's no place. Just for a normal person in the church, there's no place for me. And he's talking nicely. He's not talking mean about the church. He's talking as nice as he can. It's like, there's just, there's no place. 
for just me. And I said to him, like, I go, I go, I'm not, you know, I'm not even a radical person. And he interrupted me. He goes, you are a radical person. Because you are a radical because you don't represent what majority of the church. And I, I want to fight against that. I want to say, no, 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 no. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good expressions in there. But as I look around, there's so many expressions. There's so many settings I'm in. And even friends I dearly love that when I, when I sit down with them, they have turned the gospel into a political far-right expression. And as, as he was talking, I was like, yeah, I can't get around this. I kind of am. I'm a radical in that sense, just because I just, that whole thing is like the king has no clothes. He's just, it's just naked. It has, there's nothing in it that makes sense to me. So I've been incredibly disillusioned. This I've really been struggling since uh, Trump was elected. I've been struggling with, and then there's just another level now with how, uh, you know, with Roy Moore in Alabama and how the church is functioning and how people were. I just, I am struggling. By the way, this is how terrible Christians can be. Now, if you hear my heart, I'm just, this is just me. I'm not, this is, I'm struggling. I could say stuff like this, and someone who calls themselves a Christian will directly just send some really nasty thing to me. Just say some really direct, personal, nasty thing to me. I'm just saying general things. But their first interaction with me with me would be just to say some very personal, nasty thing with me. The fact that that is even normal is just beyond anything I can imagine. I guess I can imagine it. But it's something it's hard for me to accept. That we live in a culture where our first response, there's Christians where their first response on, on Twitter, on Facebook, in a podcast, is their first introduction to someone is just to say something really lousy to another Christian. Personally, it's one thing to say, ah, I'm, I'm struggling with Democrats. I'm struggling with Republicans. I don't want to, you know, some general thing. The person like, hey, you don't know me, Doug, but let me just say something to hurt you. Let me just say something personal. And I ran into that when I did the radio show. Every week I had someone just write something personal. The first response, their only interaction they would ever have with me on the face of this earth was to be negative and hurtful and mean. That's the crazy world we live in. That's the absurdity. And part of me, I'd be like, well, I got to say things right and try to be serving and make sure I don't offend them and try to be loving. And I do try to be loving. But, you know, I am not the cause of that filthy spirit. That's on you. Because that's not how humans are to be treated. They're not. This is me. This is now, if you love me, you can say, well, even if you disagree, like, boy, I'm sorry, Doug is so misguided. Then you would pray for me and bless me and be gentle to me. But this is where I'm at. And I think others are there as well. I'm disillusioned with the current state. And here's the disillusionment for me. I, I, this is the kind of area where I feel like I don't have a home. I'm a pastor. I love Jesus. I love his church. I just wrote a book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. If you read the Bible, the Bible's about community. The Old Testament, the New Testament, there is no way you can be a Christian and not be in community. Community is uh, Christianity. Christianity is community. To be a human is to be in community. I'm not going to start talking about my book, but, well, actually, I am a little bit, right? But it's, it's just all there. And so there are people who have been hurt by the church, right? And they've been hurt by this Christian witness. And so then when I go on social media, there's all kinds of people just every day just 
just writing angry, mean, sweeping generalizations about the church, just with no qualifiers, just empty the pews. Like that, I get the concept, empty the pews, but it's just like, leave the church. Just leave it. Leave the church. Just leave it. Just, you know, ex-evangelical, just leave those, just go, leave, abandon, just total they'll just say sweeping what's wrong with the church, what's wrong with pastors. It's just a full out like those bums, those idiots, those that, and it's just a total rejection. Now, if you talk to them, they'll say, ah, well, we don't reject you, Doug. We just talk in these ways where you're included in that group. You're like, you know, when you say like how you hate the church, I'm included in that. When you say how you hate pastors are you we don't say hate pastors but when you say those sweeping statements like all pastors are this and all churches are this and all i'm included in that all and they're like oh no, no no you're different doug it's just every other person on the face of the earth you're just different and so you go there and it's just non-stop that so you have my i have my frustration and then you have no support from the people who are with you with the frustration they're just angry at you as well so you're just isolated you're working in a church setting where you're disillusioned by the church and you're trying to do your best and the people who don't like what's happening in the church, they don't even see you. They just look past you and look for the collapse of the church. And I don't see a lot of people working together to try to make something better. By the way, this is just me. I'm just throwing it all out there. Blah. Just all out there. I hate it that I have to say everything just in the right, proper way. And then that's what happened. Well, Doug, you got to think of this and got to think of that. You know, I spend my whole life doing that, making sure I parse everything the right way. Yes, I get it. Every little thing I say, the way you, Doug, you got to understand this side. You got to understand. I get it. This is me emotionally emoting to you the frustration of living in a world where you see these, these expressions right now that don't reflect the gospel. You see anger on every side. You see many people hating the church, but not really trying to reform the church. By the way, the church is us. I know like right now, like I, I live in this context right now. If I write a, a, a tweet negative about the church, it will get way more responses than if I write something positive. If I do a podcast that's negative about the church, way more responses than positive. I could build this ministry right now. I could build it on negativity. But that won't reform the church. That'll just tear it down. And Jesus, as much as he tore down unjust systems, he built something in its place. So I'm, I'm disillusioned. I'm disillusioned with the tax bill that just went through. I'm disillusioned with the process, not even just the process of hiding things, of not sharing things, if there's no working together, there's no even concept of an ecumenical, or ecumenical is not the right word, bipartisan way of working together, of, of a process where a bill goes out, then people look at it and they go through. I'm, I'm just sick of this. Well, their side did garbage, so we'll do garbage. And I just, all of that, I just can't stand it. You get delusioned by it, disillusioned by it, makes you sick. You don't know what to do, but this, this is why I bring this up. One, just, I just want to throw it out there. Maybe you can connect, but, but here's the other thing. And this is the challenge I have. And I was talking to my daughter on this and I was challenging her on this and in challenging her, I was challenging myself. Here's the thing. 
So there's things you see out there that just seem impossible. Right now, you just see, look at, look at the course of things. It doesn't matter what I do. You know, the wicked can still win. They still, it still happens. It doesn't matter. You know, garbage happens. What's the use? And so this is the danger. This is the danger. We, get, we become apathetic. We say, what's the use? You know, it's just, uh, you, you know, you, you try something good, it's repealed, something wicked goes in its place. What's the use? You see Christians do this. Yeah, you know, God will take care of it. He's sovereign. We'll just kind of take care of our own and we'll move on. You know, just let God take care of things. We just become apathetic and indifferent. This is the challenge. I said this to my daughter, and she's not indifferent and apathetic, but I said it to her, and as I was preaching to her, I was really preaching to myself. We were, we were eating dinner together, and I looked at her, and it came to me, and I want to say it to each of you. I want to say it to you right now if you're in this place. If you're in this place of apathy, if you're in this place of giving up, if you're in this place of what's the use, this is what I want to say to you. I'm going to look you in the eye as a friend. I'm going to say this to you. Apathy is privilege. Let me say that again. Apathy is privilege. Apathy is the luxury of privilege. Now, let me explain that to you. Let's say you were literally drowning, or you were drowning and your child was drowning. You're in the water, you're drowning. You got to get to land. You can't be in the water any longer. It's too cold. You're eventually going to drown. Your child's with you. Your child's drowning. Let's say you've been doing that for like 10 minutes, like you're barely treading water. You have to get to land. Uh, You've been doing it for a while. Are you going to give up? No. Why are you not going to give up? Because you're drowning, because your life is at stake, right? Your life is at stake. You must get to dry land. You must get to a safe place. So you struggle and you struggle and you struggle until you get to a safe place or until your kids get to safe places, right? Now, a person who's in the water, who's drowning, if they get to the point where they have no, much, no more energy and they finally succumb to drowning, you don't blame that person. They did their best, right? So the only person who can go to apathy or just give up is the person who has no privilege, who has no power, who's completely oppressed. You don't judge someone who's completely oppressed, who has no power, who has no authority, who literally just gives up because they've tried their best. They've literally done everything they can but they literally drowned because no one came to help them and rescue them. But many of us are not in that situation. You're not in that situation. You're not going to die. You're not drowning. You have enough. You might not have much, but you have enough. You're like, well, I'm okay. I can make it. This world is going to hell, but I'm okay. You know, my family's okay. It's good enough. We can, we can make it. I don't know what's going to happen around us. And what we really are doing is we're seeing people around us drown. We're seeing things crumble around us. We're seeing lives crumble around us. We're seeing things that we don't want to see. But we're seeing it from a position of privilege that we're going to be okay. And so we're choosing whether or not to try to rescue the drowning. That, my friends, is a position of privilege. Apathy, having, you know, with or without, apathy means without not feeling. A is without not, path is feeling. Having, not having feeling, not caring, giving up, being indifferent, saying, what's the use? You know, they're drowning. I I just can't do anything. Throwing up your hands and saying, you know, it's just too much. That is the luxury of privilege. 
And I want to challenge you as I would challenge myself, because this is where I've been at. This thing like, oh, you know, Lord, just look at, look what's happening in our culture. And look, at there's no, you know, what are you going to do, you know? I did this radio show. It didn't make any difference. They didn't care about me there. Eventually I had to quit because it was an immoral environment. And, you know, I do this church. There's about 100 people, but they don't really care about it. You know, there's cults bigger than us. And I work in a denomination where I don't know if they really care about this. And I'm doing this little podcast. I don't know if they care about it. What's the difference of it? You know, what, what does it matter? I put out this book and every week I ask people to buy it, but not many people buy the book. And even if they read it, what are they going to do with it? You know, and what's, and it doesn't mean it changes anything. And, and look, look at, look at what people follow and look what they care about. And it's, you know, what, what are you going to do? What's, what's the use? That is a spirit of privilege. And it's a spirit that I need to repent of. God is calling me to contend for the people who do not have privilege, for those who are actually drowning. And I think that's got to be our response. That has to be our response to these seasons. Because there are some people where they don't have the luxury of giving up. Because if they give up, they die. They don't have the luxury of disengaging. They don't have the luxury of choosing to be involved or not involved because their lack of involvement leads to literal death or literal destruction of themselves or their communities. And so we must contend with the same passion that they have to contend with. Their passion comes from literally, if they do not express that passion, they do not make it to dry land and they drown or their loved ones drown. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying this to judge you, but you see the issue? It's hard to see people drowned. It's hard to see the fact that you can give effort and you don't see the kind of fruit you want to see, but it's harder to actually drown. That's worse. Now, some of you are. You say, Doug, I am. I'm actually drowning. I need people to help me. And, and I know you're listening. I'm not trying to minimize that. You just do the best you can, and, and you just keep fighting. But I know there are others listening right now where you know you're going to be okay, and you felt apathetic, and you've just kind of been like, eh, and you've kind of pulled yourself back, and you've pulled yourself back from advancing the kingdom. You've pulled yourself back from passionately helping people. You've pulled yourself back from community. You've pulled yourself back from reforming the church. You've pulled yourself back from the things God put on your heart when you were a young man, when you were a young woman. God put things on your heart, but because you faced obstacles, rejection, persecution, you're no longer contending for those who are drowning. But I'd ask you, did God tell you to do that? Apathy is the luxury of privilege. Now, right now, I'm still in this process of asking the Lord, what do I do? Because I'm still very hungry to make a difference in our culture. I'm very hungry to make a difference in our culture. And I'm still frustrated that I feel like I can't make the kind of difference I want to make. I'm frustrated that I feel like the wicked are prospering. I'm arguing with God and wrestling with God and saying, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And, and I'm frustrated that even when I enter into the equation, I get filtered into this far right, far left, 
binary thinking where I literally don't have a place to belong. And I feel like some days if people discovered who I was, I'd be rejected on all sides, that I would be devoured. I literally feel like, and literally is the word I'm going to use. And I know people say you can't use literally that way, but literally, if it's not physically, as much as someone can be devoured in a non-physical way, I think people would devour me if they found out who I was with this partisan spirit, that I would be attacked from all sides, that there's no room for me. And I feel like there's many like that out there. If you don't serve that polarizing demon, you just have to hide. Or you can only share the part of you that people will love. I just share the parts that people will love. And so in my denomination, I share parts that people will love. And in, in, with, with my uh, Republican friends, I share the parts they'll love. And with my progressive Democratic friends, I share the parts that they'll love. And with younger people, I share the parts they'll love. And older people, I share the parts they'll love. And I just share the parts that they'll love. But if I shared who I was, they would reject me. It's not that I'm trying to be a hypocrite. I just have to be a chameleon. I have to be the color of the room that I'm in or I'll be rejected. But the reality is, you know what? I have privilege. I'm okay. I'm okay. So I can sit around complaining and whining and I can back up and say, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. Or I can press in and I can fight and I can contend. See, I went into media this way. Um, I was watching Christian television. I don't watch Christian television, but I mean, it was just, you know, the, the cable channels that you never watch, right? Well, I was just turning the dial. Was I turning the dial? What, what, there was no dial there, right? Just clicking through those channels. And just one after another, it was just terrible programming. They were asking for money and saying terrible things. It was just awful. It was just awful. And I remember going, this is terrible. How did this happen? How did this happen? And I remember thinking, I don't want to just be someone who's complaining about what's wrong with the world. I don't want to just be writing posts. Like, I, I, I take no joy in like, hey, let's write about what's wrong with Joel Osteen. Like, I don't want to be the person who responds to other people's ministry. I want to minister the kingdom. I wasn't created to be a reaction. I don't want to, another post on what's wrong with Oprah. I want to be my own expression and you to be your own expression of the kingdom of God advancing through you. But I was, you know, watching this and just like, this is terrible. How did it get this way? And I thought, I have to do something. I don't want to spend my whole life just complaining about what's wrong with media. I want to be a better expression. And so I, I thought of this and the picture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came to me, or Abednego came to me. And it's the fiery furnace story. And what they say, you know, when they're supposed to bow down and, and they say, we're not going to bow down to your God, we're not going to bow down to you, is they say, our God will rescue us. In the context, they say, God will rescue us. But what I hadn't noticed at the time is they say, our God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. Even if God does not rescue us, we will not bow down to you. In fact, that's uh, my, my phone's almost out of power here, but I'll see if I can find it here. Ah, oh, it just went out. So I'm paraphrasing it. You're going to have to look it up yourself. But even, even if he doesn't rescue us, we will not bow down. And that became 
a passion for me. I just, before the Lord, I said, you know what? I'm going to try to make a difference. And I believe that God will maybe do great things. Maybe, maybe I'll be able to influence media. Maybe I'll be able to influence the dialogue. But even if nothing happens, I can stand before you and say I didn't bow down. That's my question for each of you. What are you doing right now? Honestly, are you, are you just sitting around like, oh, you know what's wrong with the church, and wrong with pastors, and wrong with... Are you just complaining, or are you willing to not bow down? To say, you know what, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to stand before the Lord and say, I did something different. I didn't bow down. And even if I failed at it in the eyes of the world, I can stand before the Lord and say, I didn't bow down. Are you willing just to stand up, you know, in that Bible study or the next church meeting and say, you know, I love you guys, but our church has become way too political. I just want everyone here to know that I am not a Republican. I love you guys, but I'm not a Republican. And when we all talk like we're Republicans here, you exclude me from the dialogue and then just sit back down. Maybe you're not supposed to do that, but maybe some of you are supposed to do that. Maybe some of you are supposed to say, you know what, I am a Republican, but the way we're talking right now is excluding my Democrat friends, and I think it's offensive. Maybe we have to stop bowing down. Maybe you have to start writing the editorials. Maybe you have to start writing the books. Maybe you have to start a new church expression. Not a church split, a new church expression. Maybe there's something we have to do. You start the podcast. And not just every podcast started by angry people who've left church expressions, who are X this or X that, but just you're a healthy person who wants to express something that's healthier. Our God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we won't bow down. If you're disillusioned, if you feel lost, There are others like you out there. I don't know how many else there are. But apathy is the luxury of privilege. God has given you strength. Use it. Use it. Go out and do what God's called you to do. Be what God's called you to be. Here's my foolish expression. There's some rambling in it. There's things that I should have said clearer. I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to put it on the internet. I'm going to let people tear it apart. But I'm throwing it out there for this reason, because I believe there are people right now who are in churches and they're ready to give up on the church. They're ready to give up on their own faith. They're ready to give up on their calling because they feel alone and isolated. And I believe by my willingness to do something, maybe I can encourage them and help them. Maybe I can help a church that's gone become wayward or a pastor who's become so political they've forgotten the reason they were called to ministry. Or maybe no one will change, but I've just been faithful and God will say, hey, good job, Doug. Good job. What is God calling you to do? Apathy is the result of privilege. Lay your life down. Pour yourself out. Be bold. Be courageous. God will rescue you from the fiery furnace. 
But even if he doesn't, don't bow down. All right. I think it was a good show, right? Even if it wasn't, God loves us. Okay, hey, I'd love it if you could pick up my book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can get it at my website. That's fairlyspiritual.org. Or, hey, it makes a great stocking stuffer. No, it doesn't. No one wants a book in their stocking, but I'd love it if you pick it up. You can also get it at Amazon. Uh, This song is by my brother, Dan Birch. He's got like three albums on iTunes. I'd love for you to download one of his songs. Give, send some money his way. I think he gets like 10 cents for a song or something. Anyway, his songs are on iTunes. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. I will see you next time. What you've called me to It is not possible Unattainable I will never see it through But you've spoken By your word Your Holy Spirit's leading me You are my only one You're the only one Worth living I'm